Welcome to the Gut Doctor Podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Gut Doctor Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to have Dr. Chioma Anju on as our guest to discuss transferring stool from one person to another or from one source to another. This is formerly known as fecal microbiota transplantation, or FMT. Dr. Anju has been involved with some of the Sentinel research studies when it comes to FMT, and she trained under Dr. Colin Kelly at Brown. So let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Anju. Thanks for having me. So what is FMT? FMT stands for fecal microbiota transplantation, or some people say transfer. And it's exactly as you mentioned, it's the transfer of stool from one source to another, human source. It can be something where you're transferring directly from one person to a patient who is unwell, um, or from a stool bank, so a group of patients may, or, or healthy persons rather, may donate stool and give it to an ill patient. Um, and then there are other methods as well, but that's the general um, gestalt. I see. So while I'm a gastroenterologist and so are you, this does sound particularly more um, interesting than what we typically do. We're, you know, literally giving stool from one person to another. What are the common ways this is done? So there are a few common ways. Um, One is via colonoscopy. Many people are familiar with colonoscopy for purposes of screening, but we can use the colonoscope to administer the stool to an ill person. Um, We can also use an endoscope, so that's going in through the mouth and deploying the stool into the duodenum. Um, There are other ways to deliver it through the mouth as well. And then a third um, venue or avenue, rather, is through enemas, although that's not as commonly used out of the community. More often you see that in research studies. And then... The newest way of, develop, of, of delivering the stool is via capsules that you would ingest, basically. So like, like pills, stool pills. Yeah, stool pills. You got it. Stool pills, just, just like you take your vitamins. Fascinating. Um, is one method better than another? That's a great question, um, Dr. Preek. So I would say the most commonly used method is probably via colonoscope, um, there are thoughts that, and evidence that there's increased aspiration if you deliver it through an upper route. Uh, so several studies have shown that. And so if you're doing it through the colonoscope, there's less risk, obviously, of aspirating the stool, meaning the stool coming back up into your mouth and then going into your lungs. So I would say that's probably the most common um, and it has very good efficacy. Um, the pills on the other spectrum are certainly the newest avenue for giving the stool. Um, and there, there 
there's at least one study that I've read that shows that it has pretty good efficacy, but the number of pills that have to be given um, are not negligible in order to get that efficacy. I see. And, you know, I mean, if I had a choice right now, I'd maybe rather be asleep during a colonoscopy than, than again, swallow uh, multiple pills. But maybe maybe that will change. Now, you mentioned yes. efficacy uh, for uh, FMT. Uh, typically, we see FMT used for patients who, who have C. difficile. Um, how effective is it for C. difficile? Yes, that's a great question as well. And so I do just want to speak just a second about <clears throat> what you said. Um, so you may hear in the news that people want to use FMT for a variety of different things, but you did mention that we use it for something called C. difficile or C. diff, as you might hear your doctors talk about. Um, and that's really the only the only uh, accepted way, I won't say approved because the FDA hasn't approved it, but they've permitted it under a, a particular uh, regulatory uh, guidance. And so I want to make sure everyone's clear that we're only talking about FMT for C. diff. So then going on to efficacy. So at the efficacy rates have ranged, I would say, from about mid-80s to uh, high 90s. And the first, one of the big randomized controlled trials, RCTs, by uh, Dr. Vanude overseas, um, was the first to show really quite high efficacy rates. Um, and so that was really what led to a lot of interest in studying FMT, recognizing that this is more effective than taking your 15th course of, uh, of vancomycin or bedaxomycin, et cetera. Um, so yes, we see efficacy rates above the mid 80s to uh, the mid to high 90 percentile. Wow, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, I know some of my patients and patients we come across have been on antibiotics for a variety of reasons for months trying to get the C. diff treated. And it's expensive, it's cumbersome, and it's exhausting. So yeah. those numbers are very encouraging. Yeah. Uh, are there any other currently, I guess approved is not the right, right word, but permitted reasons for FMT? Not without an IND. Um, and that takes a, quite a bit of effort to apply for that through the FDA and not without basically entering a research study. So no, the FDA has really only permitted um, physicians to perform fecal transplant under a particular type of guidance. And I won't use too much jargon or lingo, but under a specific type of guidance, they've permitted us to use it for C. difficile only. When you hear about it being used for other things um, that's generally experimental. I see. So it's very important to note to our listeners that this is something to obviously take very seriously and to speak with your providers about it and only consider FMT currently at this point, as long as I'm part of a research study for C. diff or recurrent C. diff. 
Absolutely. I will just mention that there has been quite a bit of interest in using it for um, inflammatory bowel disease. Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis uh, specifically. But again, those um, tend to occur in research settings. And um, there's a distinction there yeah, between what, what is permitted by going to your usual doctor, your gastroenterologist versus being part of a study. Well, that was a perfect segue to my next question, which was going to be, what is the future of FMT? Uh, like you mentioned, inflammatory bowel disease, I've even seen some stuff on obesity and uh, other GI and non-GI conditions. So where do you see FMT in the next five to 10 years? Wow, that's, that's a big question because it involves a lot of, uh, a number of different um, areas of interest. So the field of the gut microbiome um, is, is being heavily studied as well. And what, uh, what exactly the long-term effects of FMTR is also an area of research. Um, there, there is a national registry um, spearheaded by uh, Dr. Colleen Kelly, Dr. Wu, and Dr. Lauren Lane um, to try and assess you know, what, are there any side effects long-term? What are the effects of the patient long-term? And so I think those are just a couple of factors which feed into what the future of FMT might be. But um, ideally, it's certainly arguably the most successful treatment for recurrent, recurrent C. diff. And so I, I expect it to grow and expand, um, how, how that might look in the future is a little bit tricky. You know, you have interest from big pharma. Um, you have um, those who are working in independent stool banks to try and provide this for patients. So um, it's a little bit difficult. But I do see that there will be continued interest, research interest in using it for all kinds of things that that may not even be related to gastroenterology. You know, I'm sure someone's going to ask about things like autism or neurological things or Parkinsonism. So I think it's certainly going to grow beyond the gastroenterology uh, sector in terms of research studies. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. Thank you again, Dr. Andrew. If you have questions um, for listening to any of this, please speak with your primary provider. And if you are currently suffering from C. diff or know someone who is, there's definitely a great asset as part of Connected GI. You can set up a consultation with Dr. Andrew through the Connected GI website. Dr. Andrew, thank you again. And we look forward to having you back on this podcast to discuss more on the microbiome. Thank you, Dr. Parikh. I had a great time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gut Doctor Podcast. For additional information about today's topic, please visit ConnecticutGI.org. Your feedback is important to us, so please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Gut Doctor, and if you think you may need to see a gastroenterologist, just trust your gut.